the Making Sense of Life podcast, episode seven. According to J.K. Rowling, life is difficult and complicated and beyond anyone's total control. The humility to know that will enable you to survive its vicissitudes. The Making Sense of Life podcast will not only empower you to navigate through a fast-changing world, but also to grow in body, mind and spirit. Inward change precedes outer transformation. As the ancient Greek author Plutarch once said, what we achieve inwardly will change outer reality. This podcast is sponsored by Logos Medical Legal. Sunil also works privately with senior leaders. Go to drsunil.com forward slash corporate to find out more. Hello and welcome to the Making Sense of Life podcast with me, Andrew Horton and Dr. Sunil Raheja. Sunil, great to see you again. Yeah, and great to be here again with you, Andrew. Now, we're looking today at the topic of religion. And you've written a blog post on drsunil.com called uh, Why I Struggle with Religion. Now, this is unusual for me because I think I would see you as sort of a disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ, and, and yet you struggle with religion. So, so tell me about that. Yes, it, it is interesting, isn't it? I mean, I've got a whole blog post. I've got a whole section on the blog about spirituality. And yes, you're right. I, I have written a blog post about why I struggle with religion. The reason I say that is that I'm not referring to any one religion in particular, but there's a whole way of thinking, which I call religious thinking. Mm. And that, I think, permeates the whole human race, whatever our background, whatever we say we believe or don't believe. And that premise that's at the back of our minds is that God or the universe or even myself, however you want to put it, somehow accepts me on the basis of what I do. I think that's the thing that I struggle with, this religious thinking that somehow I'm accepted, be that God, be the universe or whatever you want to say, on the basis of what I do. And that is what I struggle with. So is this something that you've always felt, Sunil? Well, it's an interesting question, really. Um, I've certainly become aware of how, about how much religious thinking permeates has, has permeated my life. So, for example, you know, it sounds innocent enough to say that, that, that I'm accepted on the basis of what I do, but it does have significant ramifications. So, so you said, has it always been there? I remember as a child, I would be, uh, you know, when exams would come up, I'd find myself praying more and trying to be a better person mm. to somehow or other ensure that I, I passed my exams. Um, but I think that's really dangerous. I mean, it sounds innocent enough, mm. but I think it has significant implications. You know, still sort of keeping with the exam analogy, if you think of uh, a normal distribution curve, that's a sort of a bell-shaped curve. Um, and if we say on the x-axis is, is, is levels of goodness and on the y-axis is, is number of people, so a bell-shaped curve with, with the hump in the middle. So we can agree, I think, fairly clearly on, you know, who the say the good people are you know maybe somebody like mother Teresa, maybe gandhi maybe nelson mandela maybe even the great andrew horton who's sitting <laughs> in front of me <laughs> maybe he there or towards the good end Aww. and we can maybe agree that people are on the bad end you know people like adolf hitler stalin you know pol pot pol pot you know these kind of people so we can extreme again extreme but 
what becomes difficult is everybody else in the middle and all the rest of us are somewhere in the middle some of us a little bit further ahead like you Andrew and some of us (laughs) further behind but what do we do you know with the people in the middle and you know that kind of thinking is an exam kind of thinking so if you take an exam if you say the pass mark is 51 percent that's fine for an exam so if you get 52 percent then you pass if you get 50 percent you fail but if we apply this thinking that god accepts me the universe accepts me i accept myself on the basis of my goodness then how much good is good enough Mm. so am i saying that if i am 52 percent good then god accepts me and if i'm 50% 50% good, then God doesn't accept me, assuming a pass mark of 51%. Right. Because that's trying to say on the basis of my goodness. And that is really dangerous. Now, you know, I read your blog post. There's some very interesting sort of humorous examples, as well, isn't there, Sunil, about uh, how we can take this to an extreme level in a humorous case? Yes. And you see, I think the problem is we don't think about this in clear. We just say, oh, yes, you know, God, God loves good people and he's, he hates bad people. But it's way too simplistic because, you see, we, we don't apply that to any other area of our lives. So, you know, the humorous examples would be, say, for example, I'm, I'm, I'm driving along and I go through a red light and I go through the red light and there's a policeman on the other side, uh, you know, as I go through the red light and he, he stops my car and, and he comes and he starts coming to give me a ticket. And I stop him and I say, hold on, police officer, you've really got to understand. I've been driving for 30 years and in 30 years I've never gone through a red light. This is the first time I've done it. Give me a break. Let, don't, don't give me a ticket. Now, that'd be ludicrous. I mean, I've gone through a red light. I've broken the law. Mm. I mean, an even more silly example would be, say, say for example, God forbid, I, I murdered somebody, okay? Mm. And, and, and I'm brought before the judge. And, the, you know, and all the evidence is there. I clearly murdered the person. But I said to the judge, give me a break. You know, I've had trouble with anger all my life. And it's the only once have I killed anybody. I've never killed anybody before this. <laughs> so don't, you know, so let me off here. You know, just yeah. how about all the good things I've done exactly. up to this point? You know, I kept my anger up to this point. And I didn't kill anybody. Now, again, that would be stupid. It's a really good example, isn't it? How you can uh, uh, try and create your own system, as you say, about rating how good you are or how much you deserve and that sort of thing. It's, uh, it, 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 if it's man-made, then, it, then it's not, it's not, watertight is it and i think the other thing why it's helpful to think about this from a from a sort of emotional health mental health perspective is that also the basis of my goodness if it's based on my performance then on days that i'm doing well i'm at risk of becoming proud Mm. i'm at risk of saying look i'm not like those people who do do those things wrong you know i'm a better person because you know I've, i've done all these good things and so somehow or other, that's very easy for pride to, to begin to, to creep in and to have a sense of superiority over people who aren't doing as well as me. So that's the real danger there. And I think, again, that's I think one of the dangers with, with religion, because what you see when you see religions around the world, you see people saying, we're the good guys. We're doing all the right stuff. Everybody else who isn't religious like us, uh, they're not worth it. I mean, you know, in Jesus' times, classic of that, you had the Pharisees. The Pharisees were regarded as very upright, noble people. And they were in one respect because they kept all the religious laws. And yet, because they were keeping the laws, they used that as a way of making themselves feel superior to Mm. to anybody else. And Jesus had incredibly harsh words for them. He called them whitewashed tombs. He told them how they looked clean on the outside, but inside they were full of complete junk. So in many ways, you know, that is, I think, why religion is highly dangerous, because it puts you up and it says, I'm a religious, whatever you want to fill the blank. Christian, Hindu, Muslim, Sikh, mm. whatever you want to say, or even religious, or even a secular person. Mm. You know, you start looking at people and you start saying that somehow you're better than them. Mm. 
Uh, and that is incredibly dangerous. So that's the one side, if you like, um, going that way. But the other side is just as bad mm. in many ways because when I'm not living up to my standards, when I'm saying, and goodness, who, do, who does live up to their standards? I mean, I don't live up to my own standards. <laughs> okay, when I, and I'm having a bad day and this is going wrong, that is going wrong, I feel lazy, I am procrastinate, I don't do things I know I should be doing, then it's very easy for me to get into despondency and potentially despair. And I think people who have of a nervous disposition, who are prone to depression, who are, who are prone to, to getting down, they can be really hard on themselves. Um, and I think that that's a huge danger as well. So it goes both ways. So, Sunil, tell me about the alternative then. So what's the alternative to having this kind of religious mindset? Well, what I want to suggest is that if my, so if you like, just to, just to, just to go back to, so the, the one paradigm which is which is endemic everywhere, okay, and it's in my head as well. It's very, you know, I, I I talk about it, but I find the same mindset is in within me, and it's something I've got to fight against every day. That somehow or other I am accepted on the basis of what I do, okay. That's that's that paradigm. That's that way of looking in the world. Well, what what would it be if there was a way of looking at yourself based not on the basis of what you do, but on the basis of what somebody else has done? Oh. And this is what I th what I think the Christian gospel has got unique uh, resources. And if any of our listeners out there have found something similar, please please let me know. Please please write in and let us know. But what I find fascinating about Christ and his message is that through the cross there is the potential to be accepted on the basis of what Christ has done and not on the basis of what I've done. F fascinating, isn't it? That kind of uh, passing it on to Christ and, uh, rather than taking it on for ourselves. Yes. And, you know, it, it, it opens up an interesting area. You know, this whole issue around Good Friday. I mean, mm. when I was a child growing up, I went to a secular school in, in, in London and... I always used to wonder, why do you call, you know, every, you know, Easter Good Friday? Why is it called good? What's good about Good Friday? And I remember I, I would ask the teachers and I'd ask around and nobody could give me a straight, could give me an answer. And, and I concluded that it must be Good Friday because it was a holiday. <laughs> That's why. That's what was good about it. Yeah. So I certainly enjoyed that. But actually, when you go to the roots, and you find out why it was first set up in the first place. It's actually commemorating a day that literally did the bible would say that changed the world i mean mm. we have lots of you know days that we say changed the world you know they say 9-11 september the 11th 2001 i mean i'm sure you remember what you were doing when you first heard about those twin tower attacks i can remember those that, that, that like yesterday you know when somebody mentioned to me and the complete sense of disbelief and my goodness and and they talk about how world history changed after 9-11 you know in the uk they talk about 7-7 when they had the those again similar terrorist attacks that happened then you know they, you talk about certain days in history but mm. There's something about the death of Christ on what is commemorated, commemorated as Good Friday. Um, but it raises the question, you know, why did Jesus have to die such a terrible death? It was a terrible death, wasn't it? it was the cru crucifixion. Yeah, I'm a brutal death. I mean, you know, again, we've got to get past our stereotypes because the cross is a well-known religious symbol. Apparently, I read somewhere is that... Uh, I don't think it's overtaken it, but actually the cross is more recognised than the golden arches of McDonald's. Oh, <laughs> you know, <right. laughs> you know, I mean, the golden arches of McDonald's are everywhere, but mm. you know, but the cross, uh, I would say, is is more lasting and has more has more meaning than the golden arches of McDonald's. But but it's it's very sanitised. It's a very sa you know, if you go back two thousand years ago, 
the cross was a gruesome tool of Roman power and torture. And, you know, we again, you know, in our day, people wear crosses around their neck. But but when you talked about cross, you know, the word even cross, in, you know, in 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 Greek 2000 years ago was a word you would not use in polite company. We like using a, a four letter swear word, mm. you know, in, 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 in today. Um, you know, we get the word excruciating from the word cross. It's the word crux. Um, but you never use the word in polite company. And yet now the cross has become one of the most recognised and loved symbols in the world. But it doesn't get back, uh, but it doesn't get away from our earlier question. Why did Jesus have to die such a horrible death? Yeah. And what is so good about Good Friday? And what does this have to do with, if you like, the religious paradigm? Well, the Bible teaches that that this world, our lives and our relationships are all spoiled. Yes, you know, the world is beautiful in many places and there are some great people around. One of you is an Andrew as well. <laughs> Lots of compliments today. This is no, good. I'm feeling well, good. You're feeling you're good. doing well. <laughs> but all of us live with some degree of regret or pain or lack of fulfillment. Now, some of it's our own fault. Some of it's the fault of others. And some of it is, frankly, undeserved. I mean, terrible things do happen to innocent people all over the world. But the word the Bible uses to explain that is sin. And sin is about wanting to be in charge of our own lives. You know, I came across a, a childhood definition. It's very simple, but it's, it's, it's quite, it, it explains it well. I mean, if you take the letter sin, S-I-N. So S stands for shove off God, which, or which means, you know, get out of my life, God. I is I'm the boss of my life. And N is no to God's way. Right. And if you think about it, we see the consequences of that everywhere we go. You know, in terms of trying to live life our own way mm. and trying to get things done the way that I want without consideration of others. And that leads to huge amounts of selfishness, greed, jealousy and even the world. But, you know, it's again, this goes back to the religious thinking. It's so easy to point the finger at other people and say, look at what he does wrong, what she does wrong. Look at those people of that religion who do wrong things. Yeah. But the problem's not just out there. It starts in our hearts. Mm. And the truth is, all of us have done, said and, and thought things which have spoilt our lives and often hurt others too. All, all, all have fallen short of the glory of God, haven't we? Yes, again, that, that's quoting scripture from there, isn't it, from Romans. But again, you know, but that, that, that's so easy to, to, take, to take the as it were, spotlight off ourselves and put it on other people. But, you know, again, quoting scripture, you know, our good deeds, our good karma, if you like, they become like dirty and filthy rags. We can look decent on the outside. But God sees our heart. Um, that's why, you know, going back to this issue about religion, that's why Good Friday is such a challenge to our religious mindset. I'm just going to read actually something from Acts chapter 10, verses 39 to 43. This is from one of Jesus' disciples called Peter, uh, who explains it to a, who explains, as it were, the meaning of Jesus' death to a Roman soldier called Cornelius. And I'm just quoting from Acts chapter 10, verses 39 to 43. It says. We are witnesses of everything he did, that was Jesus, in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Now, sorry, that's quite a bit to read, but it's actually incredibly radical stuff. You see, this is written by Peter, who was one of Jesus' closest friends, and he was there watching when Jesus was horrifically nailed to a cross and left to die. 
And at that moment, he didn't, he didn't understand why Jesus had to die, but he did later on, and that's why he explained it to this Roman soldier, saying, that last bit of the quote, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his, through his name. So remember, Andrew, we said, it's sin that separates us from God, you know, the mm. S-I-N, mm. shove off God, I'm in charge of my own life, no, no to God's way. It, it's that what separates us from, from God and leads to death. It's also the reason why we feel so uneasy with ourselves. Mm. Because we know deep down that we do not live up to God's standards. I mean, I don't even, as I said, I don't even live up to my own standards, let alone God's yeah. standards, okay? But, but Peter got it here, didn't he? Peter really got it. I think he really did, yes. It's because Jesus died for the sins of the world. It's because as Jesus died, all the sins of the world were put on him. The Bible teaches that he took all of our sin onto himself, taking the punishment we deserve. He, did, he died in our place as our rescuer so that we can be forgiven. And the message of, of Good Friday is that it's not, the end after three days jesus came back to life and peter was an eyewitness of this and later on he was one of those who ate and drank with jesus after he rose from the dead so in a sense i don't as the word believe in religion but i do believe in this relationship with god that comes through the death and resurrection of jesus and that's the alternative, isn't it? That's the alternative we've been speaking about, this not following the, the man-made rules, but following the, the ruler, Jesus himself, isn't it? Yes, you see, because Jesus rose from the dead is, is, is really important because, in a sense, this is why I say why I struggle with religion, why I can't stand religion. In fact, I hate religion, I'd say, because the Christian gospel is about a relationship with God. Oh. It's not about a religion. And unfortunately, there's a lot of religious Christianity around that... that, 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 that creates confusion i think in people's minds and it gets complicated when we think of things like uh christian uh disciplines or that sort of thing we kind of make that into religion in a sense isn't it so we we kind of uh um that's, that's probably one of the roots of getting it, getting it confused isn't it we think of the things we do as christians or as christian yes, followers I... of followers of christ those are the sort of things that we we, we turn into yeah. kind of acts of religion yes and i think that's a really helpful point you've made there so it's there are good things we can do. So, you know, so it, it is good to drive carefully. It is good to be kind to your neighbour. It is good to uh, to live a good life. Th th those are good things. The problem is when we try to make them out as a way of... Uh, Getting credit with God, isn't exactly, it? Exactly, yeah. You know, an example that I, I, I found really helpful with that is, um, you know, I've, I've got four children. And uh, say one of my children, for example did an amazing thing they completely tied up tidied up their bedroom okay that's that's a good thing to do you know if, you, if my children are listening it's a good thing to tidy up your bedroom it's a very good thing to do so they tie it up and and i go up and you know um, my wife and i go up and we say to our child you've done a great job you've tied up the bedroom and our child then says well because i've tied up my bedroom that means now i don't have to listen to what you say I can live life the way I want to. I can go to bed when I like. I can get up when I like. I don't have to bother about any of the uh, of the rules of the house. Uh, I can just do what I want. Now, that's where we're on, on a sticky wicket here. Because, yes, what you've done is good. But the fact that you've done something good does not mean that our relationship has changed. It does not change the terms of our relationship. And I think this is where the problem is. And again, this is so deep-rooted in, in our psyche that if I do good things then somehow or other, I can get what I want out of God. You know, it's a bit like, you know, I scratch your, your back, God, you scratch my back. So I'll do a few of these good things. I'll do these religious things. And then, God, you will keep trouble out of my life. You'll give me what I want. You'll answer my prayers. You know, 
you'll, you'll keep problems out of my life. You know, that is actually a business relationship. That is not a relationship with God. And, you know. Really fascinating the way this conversation is going. I'm learning some really good things here, you know. But what I wanted to kind of ask was about this. You know, we talk about um, sowing into something, or or um, uh, you reap what you sow is, is, the, is the biblical verse, isn't it? So, um, how does that work? Do you think with being religious and, and getting what you want from God, in a sense? I think the key issue here is. The foundation has to be a relationship. That has to be key. Now, um, good deeds, as it were, um, are, are certainly important. So I don't want to say, you know, that good deeds are not important. But it's the motive that lies behind that. And in fact, you see, this is the other, as it were, criticism of the Christian gospel. Because people hear that, okay, you believe in someone who died on the cross and who rose again. And he, he forgives and he accepts you. And... Now your acceptance is based not on what you do, but on the basis of what Jesus has done. Great. So that means the temptation then is, okay, that's great. So we've got we've got a great arrangement here. Is that I can sin more, and God can forgive me more, and therefore you know, <laughs> you know, again, it's you know, you scratch my back, God, I scratch yours. So I'll just go, I'll just go go and live a wild and debaucherous life, mm. and uh, you, God, will forgive me. And sadly. That, unfortunately, if you look at the history of Christianity, is what happened a lot, right. is that people have then, and I think maybe it's our twisted human Take, thinking. Taking liberties. Taking, well, more than liberties. They've just said, okay, God will forgive me, so why don't I just go and, 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 and do, do the wrong things? But it, it's a complete misunderstanding of what that, of, of what that death means. You know, um, if, for example, you know, just going, if, if you had a friend who died for you and... You know, I don't know. You were, you were you were crossing the road, and he and and he pushed you away, and he got run down by the car. Say, for example, or or he actually, you know, took his took, took your life. You know, you you were you were condemned to be hanged, and he got hanged in your place, or whatever, something like that. Now, what is how are you going to live in the light of that? If anything, that should want to make you work harder and live a life that honors your friend who died for you rather than saying okay now i've got this free life and i now i can do what i want yeah. it's a complete misunderstanding it's a perversion really yeah. of understanding what what the christian gospel is and what the death and resurrection of christ really means okay so hearing about the resurrection the death and resurrection of jesus christ but how, how does that relate to us really today in the 21st century how can we really grapple with that and get our heads around it to know yeah it is quite amazing really i mean you know jesus death and resurrection was two thousand years ago and that obviously was a long time ago and life has appears to have moved on you know we've got computers we've got cars we've got airplanes we've gone to the moon and all that human nature hasn't changed though you know it's uh we we know you just look at the news and you look at the terrible things that are happening you know we still struggle with issues of forgiveness we still struggle with issues of reconciliation of getting on with one another yeah those haven't changed um so there is a lot in terms of what the death and resurrection of Jesus has to do with, with modern life. Let me just read to you, though, from go back 2000 years to Luke's gospel, how he records the events of the resurrection. And then we'll I'll, I'll show you what the implications are. Okay. So this is this is from Luke's gospel. And this is obviously a translation from the original Greek, chapter 24, verses 36 to 44. And this is talking about the resurrection of Jesus. And this is with Jesus. Sorry, the disciples um, are sort of very confused and frightened and they're trying to make sense of what's happened and Jesus appears to them so let me just read it to you 
While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled and why do you do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. So you see, we've got the resurrected Jesus making clear to his disciples that he's not a ghost. And even more amazingly, he eats fish in front of them. Mm. Also, he doesn't have a reincarnated body but a resurrected body. It's really important to understand this is not a reincarnation, it's a resurrection mm. with memories of the past of when he was with his disciples. So he remembers his time when he was with them. Mm. Okay? Mm. So, so I think there are actually four you know, per implications of this for our 21st century life. Okay. Yeah, the first is that we can find strength to fight against the suffering and injustice of this world. You know, the resurre- resurrection of Jesus shows that suffering, that suffering of Jesus had a purpose. It was not just the tragic end of a noble life. Because Jesus rose from the dead, this world is not, as some religions say, an illusion that we need to escape. Okay? This world matters. Okay? This world is in the process of being transformed, and we are called to join God in that transformation pr- process. Evil and suffering will not have the upper hand. No matter, you know, when, when you look at, you know, the, at, at, at the news you know, it's pretty horrific stuff. You see, you know, to be, you know as, as a quick aside here, you know, I, I, I make a point. Again, this is a, a quick tip for your own mental health. I don't, I tend not to watch the news or or read the news after ten o'clock at night because yeah. you, there's always something terrible, and there's nothing I can do. I could, I could pray about it, but there's not not much else I can do, yeah. and it gives me, a, it'll give me a bad night's sleep. Yeah, give you nightmares. <laughs> give you nightmares. You know, I, I remember um, in the, in the UK there was there was a a, um, a news at ten used to come and. Uh, I remember I read what somewhere that uh, the guy who would give the news, I think his name was Trevor McDonald. Oh. He, he, they did an interview with him and he'd said, and this is quite revealing, really, he said that sometimes after reading the news, he was a newscaster. Mm. He would actually cry oh. with the stuff that he was presenting about oh. some of the, the brutal things going on. But the resurrection of Jesus says that, that evil will not have the upper hand. Mm. And that, so we can find strength to fi- fight against the suffering and injustice of this world. That's the first thing. Number two. The second is that we can, at the same time, find rest for our restless hearts. Because, you know, on the one hand, we have all this evil and all this stuff going wrong. And on the other hand, inside, we have this huge sense of restlessness. I mean, I, I diagnosed myself with ADHD, self-diagnosed about 10, 12 years ago. And I had to put a lot of practice in, in place to try and help me deal with that. But I think all of us have a sen- in a sense of restlessness. And if you go, you know, that passage I read earlier on. Um, all of us have a sense that somehow we, we're going to miss out. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if you fill in the, gla- if you fill in the blank, you know, if only, you, and then you fill them out, if only this happened, if only I had that. And it's so easy to say that what I'm missing, you know, that my life somehow would be better if I did not have whatever you want to fill, fill in the blank is. Oh. It's a bit, you know, if you heard that, that, I think it's Aesop's fable about the story that, about the fox and the sour grapes. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, you know, do you remember when, when the fox couldn't get the grapes... He longed. To, yeah, he really wanted those grapes, but he couldn't reach them, and so he consoled himself by saying, "Oh well, I know those, those grapes weren't weren't very tasty anyway, so I'm not missing out." And again, there's some religious teachings that, that say that that you know that all this world is illusion, it's Maya, that it doesn't, 
that, that, that it, 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 it won't satisfy. Well, interestingly, the Bible says, no, actually, those longings you have will one day be fulfilled, oh. okay, that you will actually be fully satisfied and that, if you like, the hardest life here on earth will seem like a pinprick mm. compared to what Christ has for those who love him. Mm. So the resurrection of Christ shows us that the best is yet to come. And again, one of her Christ's disciples, the Apostle Paul, who wrote just writing just over 20 years after the resurrection, writes it very tantalizingly in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. And this is, again, the translation from the Greek in the New International Version. He says, What no eye has seen, no what, what no ear has heard, and what no mind has conceived, those are the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Mm. And so I can rest, you know. I don't feel I have to have it all. Um, and that, you know, I'm obviously I'm talking about the good things in life. I can, you know, there are good things. Marriage, family, children, you know, successful career, making money. They're all, they're not of themselves, they're not bad things. You don't need to have them all, though, do you? you need, no. What you really, really need is a relationship with Christ, don't you? Well, you need that. And knowing that one day he will, as it were, wipe away every tear. He will give you what you, what you truly long for. So, moving on to the third yes. uh, point. So, again, so, we, so, the first we said we can, we can find strength to fight against the suffering and injustice, injustice of this world. Secondly, we can at the same time find rest for our restless hearts. The third is what the resurrection shows us is that love for others and pursuit of their personal transformation is the greatest investment that there is in this world. You see, if we, you know, again, if you go back to the reading that we had, because of the resurrection, the disciples are able to be reunited with Jesus. He showed them, I don't know if you remember from the reading we had, he showed them his hands and his feet, mm. and he reminds them that, that he is resurrected, that although he's resurrected, he's still with them. He's still linked to their past. His love for his disciples has triumphed and their friendship is transformed. It's taken them to a new level of love and intimacy. Mm. And what the Bible says is that we are on a journey of personal transformation and the final outcome is beyond our wildest imagination. You know, it's like comparing a seed to a flower or an acorn to a mighty oak tree. I mean, how different are they? I mean, how different is a seed to a flower? How different is a tiny acorn to the mighty oak that grows you know, 100, 200 years later. Mm. Uh, and what the Bible teaches is that w what we invest in people now will explode with full force in eternity. So, you know, just take this, you know, we're doing this podcast, you and I, Andrew. Yeah, yeah. And one day in eternity, in two billion years, we'll talk about that podcast. We'll talk about, do you remember that time? You know, we had that busy time and we did that podcast. And God willing, some of you listeners out there, we're, our prayer is that, you know, your lives will be transformed by the message of, of, of the gospel and maybe from something you've, li you've listened to here. You know, um, one person who, who, who really captures this well is, is the writer C.S. Lewis. And I'm just going to read a quote. It says, it's a serious thing to remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would strongly be tempted to worship or else a horror and corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in, in a nightmare. All day long, we are in some degree helping each other to one of these destinations. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities. It is with the awe and circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all our dealings with, with one another, all friendships, all love, all play, all politics. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nature, culture, art, civilization. let me just add podcasts as well. <laughs> these are mortal and their life is out 
it is to ours as the life of a gnat. I mean, there's quite a lot to read there, but what he's saying is that either you and I will drown in our own selfishness and self-centeredness, or we will blossom and explode into something that is so radically beautiful that it really is out of this world. So, you know, so what I do, the choices I make, they really do make a difference. This life really does matter. And again, you know, in terms of our listeners out there, I know that some people listening out there may be struggling with thoughts of even suicide or, or, or life not being worth living. What Lewis has read out, what I've just read out from Lewis and what, what the Bible teaches, and what the Christian gospel teaches is that your life matters. And that no matter how dark it may appear, there is hope because of the resurrection. Yeah, there is. There is hope. There's definitely hope. So let's move on to the fourth and final yeah. point. So the fourth and final point is that ultimately in Christ there is nothing to fear. Even, even we're not even death itself. Mm. You see, all of us are afraid of something. Um, the disciples in that passage from Luke's gospel we read were terrified as they thought Jesus was a ghost, but he revealed himself to them and showed that he had conquered the ultimate enemy. You know, we're all afraid of. You know, <laughs> actually this is quite funny. Really. I, I I I came across this this statistic that more people are afraid of public speaking than they are actually afraid of dying. I don't know if that's true or not, but wow. what that means is that people, more people would rather be in the funeral box at their funeral yeah. <laughs> than they would be speaking at their funeral. <laughs> you know, well, wow. we, 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 yeah. At a funeral, not their funeral, at a funeral. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's true or not, but the Bible would say the ultimate fear is the fear of death. Yeah. And maybe it's also because we know that when we have to go and face our creator, that we're not going to be able to to live up to his standards again as i said earlier on i don't even live up to my own standards let alone god's standards mm. and i know that i'm not going to measure up so you know i said that's why i struggle with religion um because religion is trying to say to me that somehow or other if i follow my religion and i do the religious things that god will accept me and yet i know deep down that, that i can't i even i can't live up to that mm. that's why the whole basis of my acceptance is based on what christ has done there was a guy on his deathbed apparently his last words were i thank god for the obedience of christ that was his that were his last words and that i think is a, an amazing thing to say what he's saying is when i go to face my creator i'm not going to say to him look at how religious i was look at what a good boy or girl i was look at the things that i did i'm going to say no no don't look at me look at jesus look at my elder brother jesus and look at the good life that he lived look look at the death that he died on my behalf and look at the fact that he rose from the dead. I'm putting my trust in my big brother. Don't look at, don't look in me. And that gives enormous confidence. Can you see that? Mm. Because now I'm, because now I can live life saying, I know God accepts me on the basis of Jesus' Jesus's death and resurrection, not on the basis of what I've done. Mm. And that gives enormous confidence. It gives a safeguard against pride, mm. and it gives a safeguard against despair as well. And it also gives us a focus to worship as well, doesn't it, Simon? Thank you. That's brilliant. And it gives us a focus to worship. It gives us a meaning for life. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, you can get all the show notes for this episode from drsunil.com. And could you do us a favour, head over to iTunes to rate the programme. This is by far the best way to get this content into the hands of those who need it most. Also, do you think about who you could pass details of the podcast on to? Don't forget to check out the blog for more great content. That's drsunil.com, helping you to make sense of life 
in a challenging and complex world. Until next time, goodbye for now.